When you find people who have a genuine concern, it definitely adds to the whole experience, makes it more wholesome, and, and you realise there are people out there who, who want to, to go beyond that level of conversation. There's a lady uh, behind me, she must have been about the same age as me, really beautiful woman, right? Yeah. And the guy next to me goes, because uh, she's really beautiful, I was like, yeah, but... I was like, okay, thanks for letting me yeah. know. And he was like, he was like encouraging me, like, why don't you talk to her? And I'm like, I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> you know, so it, all I'm saying is, it, it, like, he was very, he was just very authentic. It's interesting, each country has its own wildness. Russian men are very majestic. Yeah, they are. They're very honorable. Yep. They're very serious. Exactly. They're very majestic. Do, do the Uzbeks have that, go they have that going on? Yeah, they do. And even mm. from their dress sense, you know, they're, they're very meticulous in how they dress and they're mm. very on point, oh, very sharp. Where have you kind of felt like that's drawn you the most? From my travels to Cape Town, is definitely a place that has a lot of beauty about it. When I was leaving Colombia to go to Brazil, yeah, and it was a New Year's Eve, effectively. So I what year was this? This was twenty twenty one. Okay. Yeah. So after the global events. Yeah, after just after the pandemic, okay. still was quite fresh in the sense <coughs> of restrictions and trying to know. What, what the laws were in each country. So I was in Colombia for a month, and from there I was flying to Brazil. And this was, yeah, on the 31st, trying to get to Brazil for New Year's. As I was at the check-in at the airport in, in Colombia, I, had, I only had booked a one-way ticket, so from Colombia to Brazil. I hadn't booked my return yet to England. And at the check-in desk, the woman was like, where's the, uh, your flight ticket to go back to England? How long are you staying in Brazil for? I said, oh, probably just a week or two. Um, and I hadn't booked it and then she was like well you might not be able to go because you need to book a, a following ticket an onwards journey ticket back to the UK so why do you have to do that so I think it's because they don't want to stay there for a prolonged period so they of want time to see, they want to see the proof of it they want to see the proof of you that you okay. actually are going to leave at some point okay. and so I just literally had my phone out as I was she was checking my passport booked the ticket for about 10 days after I was arriving into Brazil to come back so to England. that must have been a bit of a bummer because you must have been feeling like oh, I just wanted to be able to take my time. Yeah, exactly. And at, at that point, I was quite keen to leave Colombia to carry on now because yeah. I was there for a month. So I'd stayed there for quite long and I thought, okay, the next step now is Brazil whilst I'm in this part of the world. Something that okay. you always think and about. And were you with a friend or were you on your own? No, this was, so I was traveling for three months alone. Wow. Um, very unusual. Very unusual, very different. For the first month, I was with a, a close friend of mine in Turkey, in Istanbul. Okay. So I sp had a lot, of, spent a lot of time with him. Okay. Um, caught up on a lot of things and okay. learned a lot. And then after that, okay. was next up was to Uzbekistan. Right. Just because it was close, and there was a lot of history there with the Silk Road. Yeah. And especially with the the emperors and Timur, yeah. visiting Timur's tomb. Yeah. So I wanted to go and see that side of it. And I right. thought, I'm never, not sure when I'm going to be here in okay. this part of the world next. Okay. And, and the opportunity will arise. So that was really incredible. Very different pl place. Mm. Seeing the people, the Uzbeki people, and them speaking Russian. The landscape was quite different as well. Mm. So they have these big city in Tashkent. It's really beautiful. Mm. Lots of open space mm. to drive. Not a really, compared to Istanbul, where Istanbul is quite a walking city. Yeah. Mm. You don't really get that in... Um, in, in Uzbekistan so it was it's all cars mostly cars okay. yeah mostly cars and then to visit Samarkand from there was uh, inc incredibly okay. beautiful but tell me the Brazil thing and then let's come to Uzbekistan as well so at the end I had to spot my ticket on yeah. the spot to yeah. go back to leave luckily managed to go through whilst she was checking my passport yeah. and yeah. it was within five minutes it was okay. done and dusted and okay. I could show her the proof that I was going to actually leave right. Brazil and not, not yeah. stay there indefinitely right <laughs> which was interesting and managed to get to Brazil just in time for on the 1st of January yeah. in the morning yeah. Yeah, and then so you're saying that there was something really special about Brazil, like you say that the the, the people in beach cities have a very different 
Yeah, they have a very openness and a wildness to them. Right. And I, I hadn't realized that in Rio, where I was traveling to, a lot of other Brazilians from other parts of Brazil tend to go there for the New Year's. Right. So it has a lot of um, national tourism okay. in, in Rio and that part of, part of the year. People are on holidays, people go visit by the beach and they do the celebrations with all the fireworks in Rio. And so it was quite interesting to see different people from all over Brazil in, in, in Rio at that point in time and some of the, the backgrounds that they had. But generally the city itself is such a vibrant place, such a beautiful place. The landscape, I think when you go to a place that has beautiful nature around it, it sort of embodies into the people as well. Yeah, so give me an example of this. Like how do those people different? I have an idea, but I, I want to know from you. Well, you see that the, their life is very much more relaxed in one, one aspect. They, don't, they sort of go with the flow of things. The sun's out there, they, they, they go surfing and mm. things like that. So, so just take things in the flow. Take things in the flow, exactly. Mm. There's not this chase, constant chase yeah. like we have in Europe. for. Mm. And like when you sit down with them, they don't want to just talk about uh, what you do, do for a living, what, how much money are you making, when are you going to buy your house? It's not about, it's a very different conversation. No, no, not at all. The, the, the people are so, if you could say the word real. Right. They want to have a, a real conversation with yeah. you about who you are. That must your be very satisfying. Absolutely, it's very, yeah. it's very fulfilling. Yeah, 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 fulfilling is the word I'm looking for, yeah. Because it goes beyond the sort of... The facade. Facade of the initial conversation and just having, yeah. you know, that surface level. Mm. You can go a bit deeper and you mm. can get to know people on a different level. And mm. I guess it's part of just that spirit of just being into mm. the world and you're, you've been in the unknown for yourself. You attract and bring that out of other people as well because mm. you want to go beyond it. Mm. It's very interesting. When you travel alone, you have to, you're sort of forced yeah. to put yourself into a situation. Yeah where you have to speak to people that you might not necessarily do when you're in your comfort zone or in your locality. Yeah, because so, you can keep yourself busy with your wife and kid or with your friend. Exactly, And you yeah. can just switch off. Yeah, exactly. And you, yeah. don't, you don't necessarily need that relationship yeah, yeah. or build that conversation. Yeah. Whereas when you're traveling, yeah. you want to make the most of your time, yeah. you want to get to know as many people yeah. as, you want, as mm. you're able to and build those connections for a, for a longer period. Mm. Um, and you get to meet people from you know, yeah. all over the world, which yeah. is... I remember I, I was on a flight to, um, uh, to Malaysia for the first time. This was 2005. Yeah, and I I can't sleep on planes, and then and I was doing two legs, so it was one seven hours to Dubai and then seven hours to Malaysia. Right, and then when I got to Dubai, uh, the next flight that I got on, there was a load of people that got on, and I got situated with a British guy. Yeah, so he was he was quite. I mean, at that time I was about twenty five. I'm I'm guessing he was about fifty fifty five, um, ish, and with my experience growing up in Britain, that kind of a person, if, you know, let's be honest, when you're a brown kid and you're, you know, and this is, this is like just after like, I think this was a month or a year, I think a year after like seven, seven and everything. Yeah. Tensions, you know, racial tensions are high and all these political tensions, everything's really high. I wasn't expecting conversation. I wasn't expecting any bonding. I wasn't expecting somebody to be authentic with me. Yeah. So I, I just came and sat on that, on that seat. It was one, this guy was next to me and I just kept my mouth shut. Yeah. Cause I, didn't, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to like Interact. get into anything. Yeah. yeah. But what was really interesting was, um, he started talking to me himself. Yeah. So that was immediately like at 25, if an elder like that is talking to you, that's very validating anyway. Yeah. But he wanted to have a very real conversation with me. Mm. That was really nice. Yeah. Um, and, and he was telling me about uh, what his life was like. And he was he used to work on oil rigs in, North, oh, in wow. the North Sea or something. And I still remember this guy to this day. I still remember him vividly, what he looks like. Yeah. Um, this is 15, 17, 18 years ago. Wow. And he was just a really nice guy. You know, it was just no drama, no nothing. Yeah. And then there was, um, there was a lady in front of me and she, she had a daughter. Mm. Was just starting to get into photography at this point. And the girl kept looking at me and she was just kind of playing with us and stuff like that. And I asked the lady, 
I said, oh, can I take a picture of your daughter? And she was like, yeah, go ahead. So I just took nice pictures Aww. of her. And I, I, I told her, I mean, this is pre-social media. But yeah. I said, look, I'm not going to post it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And, but I asked for permission. Really cute girl, like yeah. four or five years old. Do you mind if... She said, yeah, absolutely. And the girl was posing for me and taking like nice little cute pictures of her. And the guy next to me, he was like playing with her a little bit. And we were just having a little bit of fun. Yeah. And there was a, there was a lady uh, behind me. She must have been about the same age as me really beautiful woman right yeah and the guy next to me goes uh, because she's really beautiful i was like yeah but i, I said okay thanks for letting me yeah. know and he was like he was like encouraging me like why don't you talk to her and i'm yeah. like i don't want to talk to her yeah. <laughs> you know so it, all i'm saying is it, it like he was very he was just very authentic yeah you know what i mean yeah exactly and i you, you, here in this country you go out you go to the restaurant or you especially in london you meet people yeah you, you just know straight away that conversation not authentic they're just having that conversation with you because they have to have that conversation with you yeah nobody's really interested they're just interested in how can i make more money or yeah you know those kind of things it's very surface level isn't it yeah very does that not annoy you does that kind of does it does it frustrate you or just makes you feel unfulfilled i think you have to sort of view it about what you're bringing to the table, your own intentions. So yeah. if you're there and you have this thing in your head where whoever you meet, you try and uplift them in whatever way, yeah. then you can get past that quite quickly okay. and you just go with that. But do you, yeah, but I, I you know me now. A yeah. I, I talk to people, they end up getting triggered for no reason. I say <laughs> something and they just get triggered. I try, you, you know this. I try to say to them, you don't look too, you know, like, you know, <laughs> is everything okay? And then I get told off for asking somebody if they're okay. Yeah. Then what do you do in that situation? Yeah. I mean, I get this. I get these situations all the time. Yeah, because you have a genuine concern and you're yes. asking, but, yes. but they don't feel that for whatever reason. Yeah, they don't allow themselves to be genuine in that situation. Yes. And they, and this, I mean, there's a lot of it's fear of how they're going to be viewed and what. Yeah. Not to say the wrong thing and not to. I've been them. up to people, people that you and I know, yeah. but problem with their tires on their car. Yeah. I have the exact same car. I've had this exact same issue. I've gone up to them and said, "Yeah, I've had the same issue. I, let me help you with this." And they're effing and blinding at me. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, and they're making me feel like you're the idiot for trying to offer to help me. And I'm thinking, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I think, I think also people have this thing about if, when, when you, someone tries to help you, yeah. there's almost a reluctance to accept the help. Yeah, for, what, for whatever reason, it's something that they have their own internal, where they feel like they're in control and they don't want to be, feel vulnerable. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to that. So you just end up triggering the vulnerability. So you trigger the vulnerability, yeah. but then you... That, and you become the villain. Exactly. Yeah. That's, just, this, this, that's exactly what I hate about. The society that we're in now, that's exactly what I hate about the society. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm genuinely very bitter about it because it's just rubbish. What, so what, what do you feel it's triggering? Is it anxiety? I mean, from what I see, it's a lot of anxiety about the future and the present. So they, they, everyone's captured into the future. Okay. Uh, do you want like a polite diplomatic answer or do you want like a do you want like a moderate answer or do you want a very real answer no I want the real answer yeah alright so it's, it's not that I don't have insecurities I do have insecurities of course I have insecurities I have um, you know there are things that I feel you know insecure about and all that kind of stuff but there's a lot of things especially where men are concerned um, that I'm not insecure about I'm very secure in myself about many, many things. Yeah. Um, and I think that become that is the thing that becomes a triggering element because it's not a bother for me. Mm. So that be, that actually adds to the anxiety, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? It becomes very triggering for the other person because I'm, I'm very comfortable in myself. Yeah. Yeah. So not you, in every way. Yeah. So you have this element where you've where you're 
not on the defensive. Yeah. Uh, but the other person is. I can is, be very open. I can be very yeah. open hearted about things. And I can be very, I can, and somebody can, I'll give you an example. Um, I went to somebody's house. And this was turned into massive drama. I just said, look, you, you look like somebody that has been the victim of sin. <laughs> right? I just said it. But I said it out of concern. Yeah. Right? And I also said it, and I, I, I've had some experience with sin. So I, I, was, if, I, I was saying it in the sense that if, you've, if you are a victim of it, yeah. these are some of the things that you'd be able to do to get over it. I said it out of concern. A whole, we had a massive drama about it. it turned into a massive fight. You don't have rhythm. You don't have rhythm to speak about things. Who are you to talk about this? Blah blah blah. Was just, oh, was like, yeah. And I just felt, I just felt like, I felt like I was the idiot, and I just, I just had to leave the 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 room and everything. And then, literally, about six months later, yeah. in the coffee shop, in your coffee shop, yeah. one of your staff said it to me, and I was yeah. like, all right. Yeah. And then I goes, well, what do you suggest? That he said, oh, you look like you've had a bit of Sarah, you've had a bit of dro- trauma or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what do you think I should do? And he goes, oh, take this, drink this tea. And I was like, all right. Then I went and bought the tea and drank it, and it helped. Yeah. So I'm very comfortable like that. And you're very open. Very open. It, it, I, I can tell when somebody's got an agenda. If, some, if somebody's having a, a dig at me, yeah. it's coming from a place of competition or coming from a place of like narcissism or malice. Yeah. I will react to that very badly. Or if it's, if especially if it's coming from a place of disrespect, yeah. then forget it. If somebody's coming from a place of concern, I can tell the difference. And if they're saying it out of concern, I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I'll take it. Exactly, yeah. But you're very open like that as well. Well, I, th- I think you have to sort of get beyond your own illusion of what, who you are and what yeah. you have. And when people feel defensive, it's because it's shattering something that yeah. they know. Th- they think they know about themselves yeah. or they feel like they've got everything under control. So yeah. you yeah. have to see everyone so as a learning So it makes you point. angry for burst. They're, they're angry at you because you burst their bubble. Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. But I'm not doing it on purpose. No. I, I'm very, very careful now. I'm, I try not to speak to anybody. I try not to talk. <laughs> yeah. So you're the only person I get to speak to really. And now you've shut the coffee shop down. I can't talk to you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I can't have an open conversation with you. But I think at the same time, as, mu- as much as there's people who feel defensive, there's a lot of people out there who are willing to talk. And, it, and it's just trying to get to that they're stage rarer, with them. They're rarer and rarer. They are getting rarer and rarer. They're rare. yeah. even, even like, you know, in your coffee shop, uh, I noticed that it, even, even there it was getting rarer and rarer. And, and I feel like there's a lot more of posturing taking place now. There's a lot of people that are coming out with opinions. Yeah. They feel the need to share their opinion. And that opinion is not necessarily the view that everybody... They're not ready to accept a different opinion either. It's not an opinion that anybody else holds necessarily. Yeah. So everyone's sticking to their own. Yeah, and just and they're kind of being taking preemptive strikes and coming in and just having a preemptive letting everybody know this is what my opinion is and you you don't have any other opinion against mine kind of thing. I'm like, yeah. But I, I you must you must feel like a lot, having all this travel and having those kind of fulfilling experiences must must have contributed to your ability to be more real because it teaches you something in the process. Oh, I, absolutely. I know. I think what you tend to do is you you open yourself up to listen to the other person more yeah. and which is the key because we always forget we have two ears and one yeah. mouth yeah. so a lot of it we always wanted to splurt out as much yeah. as we can but in reality it should be you should be take, listening to as much as possible to be able to respond accordingly yeah. a lot of the time when we speak to people it's just we're waiting for them to stop speaking just so we can speak yeah. and it shouldn't but be but there are a lot of people that do do a lot of talking and that's and true you, you just wait and they just carry on they don't stop yeah like they, they'll never stop you just keep waiting yeah. that, that's, they don't know when to stop and it's, I think it, a lot of it comes down to just being present in the moment. Yeah. If you, once you're present in the moment, whoever you're with, it just makes that element of conversation yeah. flow better. You know, like in, uh, I remember even when I went to Malaysia this time, right? So we'd been awake for about 20, 22 hours, something like that, maybe 27 hours. Yeah. But I needed to go and get something to eat. We just landed at our apartment and we just got there. I needed to go and get something to eat. I came out of the apartment, didn't know where I was or anything. 
And um, I asked this guy, he goes, uh, can you tell me where the local McDonald's is? That's all I could think of. It's all halal out there anyway. Yeah. He goes, where, do you know where the local McDonald's is? And he goes, yeah, you just go straight that way and then take a left and blah. He goes, how long will it take? He goes, oh, it's a 20 minute walk. And it's like 30 de- 32 degrees sun. Yeah. I've been awake for a very long time. <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't know if I can do this, right? And he just takes one look at me and he goes, um, I can fetch you because their English is a little bit different. Yeah. I goes, oh, uh, do you mean you can take me? He goes, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll take you. I goes, okay, how much? Because he was a taxi driver, but it's just the way he went about it, it was still very friendly. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know he was a taxi driver at the time. Because I'll take you. So he, he got. He jumped, I jumped in the car with him. I did think I'm about to get stabbed or something. Mm. I got in the car with him there and then. He drove me down to McDonald's, placed the order for me because they had to speak Malaysian. They didn't understand English. Yeah. Placed the order for me. I gave him the cash for the thing. Dropped me back off at the apartment. He went back inside. He goes, here's my WhatsApp number. If you need driving around anywhere, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. But I don't think you'd ever get that experience in a country like here. I don't know. There may be some parts of Europe you'd get. I mean, even in Istanbul, I don't know if you'd get that kind of experience anymore. You just get ripped off. Yeah, everyone's and in. everybody's aggressive. They don't want to talk to you, and yeah, they just want to give you aggro, you know. But these real experiences are so fulfilling. Exactly, where you, where you when you find people who have a genuine concern, it definitely adds to the whole experience, makes it more wholesome, and and you realize there are people out there who, who want to to go beyond that level of conversation, and who are in, when you go to this, some of these countries, people are almost putting their front, the best foot forward as yeah. well. So they want yeah. you to know about their country. Like for example, in Uzbekistan, right. it's not really visited. Okay. Tell me tell me more about Uzbekistan now. Yeah, th- I mean, even on the getting the flight from Turkey to, to Uzbekistan, from Istanbul, I mean, I was like the only, the odd one out basically, because it's not a place that has a lot of tourism in that okay. sense. So, so they're you, all Russian-looking people. So all the, all the Russian-looking sort of Mongolian-esque Okay, were you getting stairs? I was getting stairs okay. and, and I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Were you feeling uncomfortable or...? No, I was just like, it was, wasn't a sort of look of, oh, what's he doing? It's just sort curious. of surpri- curious, exactly, okay. and sort of a surprise look. Why is he going there? So it was an interesting journey there. And then when, when you get there, again, people are so welcoming. They want you to, to sort of know about their country and, and their really? history. And yeah, and they have their own very do you, specific Do you feel cuisine. it as soon as you get to the I always feel like as soon as you get to the airport, Whatever the vibe or the mood of the airport is, is ref- reflective of the entire. Yeah, it's so country. true. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've got uh, just to quickly interject. I've got one friend um, who has travelled all over the world. Right. Um, um, he's been to many, many, many countries, and every and he's lived in many countries: Japan, Indonesia, Turkey, Mexico. Wow. He's lived in all these places, right? Amazing. And he has whatever vices the country has. Yeah, he will at least have one positive thing to say about that country, if not several. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he'd never been to the UK. And uh, last year, he had to come to the UK. He just had to come for about... Um, uh, and I just had a flight that kind of stopped over for an hour or two and then jump on another flight and go to Istanbul. Yeah. And he came over, got into Manchester Airport, yeah. called me from Manchester Airport and goes, God, this is a miserable country. Yeah. And he got on the plane and disappeared. Well, that was it. it just, and I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> flew straight back. And he just went to the next place. He wow. just was not interested. And he goes, I've got no interest in coming back to this place at all. Because it does, it, it gives, it, you know, it's a very, I forget the actual temperature of the country. It's very cold here. People yeah. are very cold and distant uh, and gloomy, you know. Was he from England initially? He's or? from, no, no, he's from, uh, he's he's part US, part Mexican. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so, it's, so it's interesting to see someone like that has, comes here for the first time and has that sort of experience. Yeah. And he's got a Japanese wife, I think. So yeah. he's lived in Japan and just didn't have anything nice to say about the UK because like, God, this place is like death warmed up. Yeah. And and you do feel, I've come back from, I remember I went to Pakistan for several weeks. Yeah. Got on the plane, landed at Manchester airport and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like it's just, 
the energy changes completely. Yeah, but you didn't like, but you don't experience in that, you know, in like in Spain. When mm. I went to Malaysia for the first time, it was just it had such a nice vibe. This time it wasn't very good. Right. After even and the energy of the place, even in KL, had gone down a lot. Okay. But when I'd been the first time, it was very calm, very uplifting energy, and it, just that alone was very. Yeah. And when I went to, um, I went to northern Spain. Northern. Northern. I went to northern Spain and um, uh, I went to Bilbao. Airport itself was kind of half and half. As soon as I got out of the airport, it just bit by bit, just really, it just had a lovely vibe to it. It started to flow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Each country has its own wildness and energy. <coughs> and I think us being from the UK, we sort of, once you step out, you realize the difference that we are actually living in a pond to an extent. Yeah. There's a whole world out there. Yeah. And by moving and shaking within yourself, by going to these new places, you're sort of going into the unknown of yourself as well. And that's yeah. what drives yeah. that energy. Because it becomes a mirror to you, doesn't it? Exactly. So tell me more about Uzbekistan. So when got, as soon as I got there, I arrived, um, and I was only going to be there for a week. After okay. that, I was going to be traveling to Colombia, so I didn't have much time. Right, okay. Um, so I stayed in Tashkent for the first few days. Again, beautiful city, a lot of history. You sort of see the statues of Amir Timur. Yeah, and his own history and beautiful statue of him on a horse right in the middle of the city center um, and again the place was very beautiful the people are so friendly they have their own cuisine so one of the dishes that they do is called naray and it's like a horse yeah. meat dish yeah yeah it's a traditional dish um, with noodles but it's cold I think you can have it hot or cold but I tried it cold um, so that was quite an interesting experience to try that that uh, cuisine and, and their the locality of food one of the things that was really beautiful was when you go to visit the tomb of Emir Timur um, it's a whole courtyard and they've, they've really preserved it really well so he's buried with his actually buried with his sons and his sheikh in his tomb his maqam and in the corner of the courtyard of the where his maqam is there's a huge sort of well-esque type place where they used to drink pomegranate juice the soldiers before they used to go out to, to battle wow and it was a sort of a meeting. Who told area. you all this stuff? There was like a tour initiated, okay, okay. and one, okay. as as you're in the area of the of the museum, effectively, they sort of give you some guidance and, and history okay. about the different places. So that yeah, it was Uzbekistan. It was really beautiful. It has a lot of history. You sort of see that ancient Silk Road esque people and and their sort of day to day living. Um, language wasn't everyone spoke English fairly well there. In fact, interestingly, they spoke better English in Uzbekistan than they did in. Turkey, because in Turkey, not many people speak English that well. It's it's mostly the younger generation. Well, that is a revelation. Yeah. And how, how, what was the weather like over there? When I was there, it was around October, October, November time. So it was getting colder. It was okay. sort of but but you autumn. could still walk around in a jumper. Yeah, you could still walk around in a jumper or a light jacket. And the people were very welcoming and it's quite cheap to live out there, presumably. Yeah, reasonably cheap. The only... Food wise, everything else was really. And it, cheap. the food was clean and hygienic. Like, yeah, no, no, give you no tummy trouble. Or... I was quite impressed how modern Tashkent okay. was. Actually, it was a lot because so, they've got a lot of Russian influence as well. Anyway, though, they do they? exactly, and, they, and they're probably going to get a Chinese influence soon, aren't they? Yeah, because they're going to they'll probably end up being part of BRICS and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I have a feeling I've got some sort of. I know I've got. I've got. I think I've got Uyghur ancestry. Yeah, because uh, I've kind of been tracing it back, but the Uzbekistan they kind of have some link to that. They will do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I I think I probably have some sort of t tiny little fragment of ancestry kind of linked to there. And I don't have any to Turkey. Right, okay. Yeah, th they are really interesting people. And they're sort of go-getters as well. 
a lot of interesting coffee shops there, a lot of interesting establishments food-wise and everything So what else. are the men, because you know like Russian men, they're quite, I don't know if you've seen Queen's Gambit, but Russian men are very majestic. Yeah, they are. They're very honourable. Yep. They're very serious. Exactly. They're very majestic. Those, do the Uzbeks have that, go, they have that going on? Yeah, they do. And even mm. from their dress sense, you know, they're, they're very meticulous in how they dress and they're mm. very on point, very sharp. So that. it's just beautiful to see that. They, they have the tradition of the medicine as well. So they, they have the tradition of the Chinese medicine as well. Right. So they're very, they're, they're into their like acupuncture yep. and all yep. that kind of stuff. So they're very, but you don't hear about Uzbekistan in the news or anything. No, it's quite siloed off, isn't it? It's yeah. quite quiet. And I'm really intrigued now. Yeah. And Samarkand is really, really beautiful. So you can get a visa to go there quite easily. Yeah, I didn't need any visa. From just flew straight in. I think I think maybe you have a month or three months okay. stay. And you got um, about, you didn't have to get worried about anything. No, I got the train from Tashkent to go to Samarkand for the day like, by myself. It was perfectly fine. It was sort of a nice train but journey. Could you go there with a wife and kid quite easily? Yeah, I think so. It would be, be an interesting place to visit, definitely. Tell me more about the men there. This is intriguing. So what some, one of the men that I meant was one actually the, one of them, uh, as I got to the airport, it was a young man. And um, he, he was selling SIM cards. So I had to, as soon as I got there, I got a SIM card from him. I ended up having a good conversation, took his number, sort of said he lives in the area so he could ch catch up if I needed or if I needed anything. So it was quite helpful in that respect. So I said, okay, perfect. Ended up meeting him once and he was sort of from the younger generation now. Um, and they, they have an interesting view on life where they all know about Islam. And this, he, him in particular, it's almost sort of being left behind a bit now. So they're not on the forefront of understanding the full history. But they're interested. But they're interested. Okay. And they are practicing to an extent. I mean, they're, they're born Muslim, yeah. but how much of that they carry out <coughs> is not... It varies, obviously, people to people. And especially in Tashkent, it was very different yeah. to Samarkand. The men in Samarkand, they're a lot more understanding of what's going on. Right. And so they're quite aware. Quite aware. And there's a That's lot more history. Yeah, a lot more history there as well. Tashkent is almost a bit more modernized. Yeah. More parties, yeah, clubs. And, exactly. That kind of stuff, yeah. Whereas Samarkand still got that sort of ancient yeah. rural aspect to rural it. Rural aspect to it, yeah. And it's just, it's just an interesting place to visit and to I, be. I, I went and stayed in Turkey twice now. I've stayed in Turkey. Uh, for a week, a week or two at a time with a Turkish family. I've done, yeah. done that twice. I did it once in 2009, and then I did it in 2010, I think it was. And uh, the family that I stayed with, and this was very common in Istanbul, the boys were drinking. Right. Right. They had no interest in religion whatsoever. They were obviously Muslim by name, has absolutely no interest in religion. Mm. Uh, very, very very boyish behavior so even you're like 25 26 you're leaving the, your floors your clothes on the floor yeah. for your mom to clean up after you no sense of kind of responsibility or maturity or anything yeah and just just all interested in just living the kind of club life american very americanized very american influenced yeah um and just honestly just little kids yeah um and even when they were getting older it didn't seem to be much different they spoke english very well uh, i remember we went up to the mosque we went up to i think we went to the blue mosque I went with my mom and dad. They were very respectful of my parents. Yeah. So this is a lot of respect for elders in that sense. Uh, I remember we went. They 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 came to help us because it was like oh the guests are here. So so in that sense they were very respectful. That was very nice. What I liked about them. So they came. They were very very respectful of my dad. Yeah. And then if my dad the, my dad or to, even though we were the guests because there was no other uh, elder men in the in the in in that uh, congregation at that time. Yeah. They all treated my dad as like, well, he's the head. He decides what everybody's, he decides what's going to happen now. Mm -hmm. So my dad was like, I want to get on the bus and I want to go into town. So everybody just, they, they just, they just uh, facilitated all of that. Yeah. The boys, they were like 20 somethings. 
So in that way, they were really good. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, okay, we've got to get the bus from here, and we've got to get on the boat from here and all that kind of stuff. But I remember we went up to the mosque, the blue mosque. They refused to go in. Really? Yeah, they didn't. They just like, no, we're staying outside because they, 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 they've been taught a lot of resentment and, and, and everything for the religion, for the history, the history that precedes them. Yeah. So it, that was a bit, you know, and then in, when I went to stay with them a year later, I was drinking, smoking, clubbing, all that kind of stuff. And I just... It feels like that's just going to get, it's going to get worse now in Turkey. Yeah. And then I've, I've been in Turkey just a few months, about six months ago. Yeah. Um, and the thing that really put me off was just, uh, this, I'm not, obviously I can't blame them for this, but I, 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 for me, learning a new language is really tough now and they weren't speaking English. So yeah. I thought this is just not going to work for me. Uh, it was something, a place that I would have considered, but uh, just in terms of vibe, it just didn't work for me anyway. I don't know what, it just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Turkey's got both sides to it, hasn't it? As yeah. Well. It's got, and it's getting that sort of gap between both sides is getting yeah. greater and greater bigger, now. Bigger, yeah. Yeah. And I've been, you know, because I'm a huge fan of Vertigrel, the TV yeah. series. Before we continue on this video, I just want to invite you to my Discord community. Look, the world has changed and it is changing still. And on my Discord, which is a simple mobile app that you can use, you can stay in touch with other like-minded people like me who are staying informed of the things that are happening around the world that are going to affect our daily lives very, very soon. So come and join me on my Discord community. And let's grow together and let's navigate this changing world order together. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I really like the presentation of men, the, the, the personification of men in that series. I love that. Yeah. And that's what I was looking for. Like, where is this in Turkey? And I, I just, everywhere I go in Turkey, I don't seem to find it anywhere. That, that's the place I would hang out. Mm. Wherever there's that kind of a man is, 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 you know, those kind of men with those kind of thoughts or those kind of personalities, that's where I want to hang out. So Konya, so when I was visiting Turkey, in my, I, I first went to Alanya, yeah. which is more of a sort of holiday yeah. destination and then a lot of British tourism there as well actually. So yeah, I ended up seeing a lot of people that you would effectively see here. <coughs> so I wanted to see a bit more of the real Turkey, so I ended up going catching a bus, which was about five, six hour journey from Alanya to Konya. And Konya was a bit more, whereas Alanya is a bit more by the beach, Konya was a bit more further up in the mountain, so the temperature changes quite quickly. And that's where Rumi is is buried, yeah, and yeah. they also have a makam for Shamsa Tabriz. <coughs> so it's a very, very beautiful place, and and they've really preserved that element. And you see that across Turkey that they've really preserved a lot of their history, yeah, yeah. and whether it's the mosques or the tombs, they've they've really done a great job in that aspect. Um, so Konya was you get to see a bit more of the real Turkey and the real people from the local food. They have the lahmacans, which is like their pizza dishes yeah, yeah. and their speciality. Yeah. So it was a really nice place to see that element. And it, just by being in the poet city, it's very different. The atmosphere, people are more alive and a bit more friendlier, a bit more real as okay. well. Okay. Able to have a so you noticed that? You see that difference. Whereas in the Lanyas, people want to sell you things. It's a bit more of a market hustle. A bit more capitalist influence. Exactly, yeah. Right. So that was, that was quite an interesting place. I think Turkey, across the board, it has these pockets of cities. Yeah, I mean, I see, I, when I, when, not this time that I went. When I went last time, I stayed in Istanbul for about a week. Then we drove to, I can't remember what, Durje the place was called. Right. And it's right by the Black Sea, so it's about 40 minutes from the Black Sea. Oh, wow. Okay. So as we were driving, all you, all that you could see was like these industrial towns where they were building units to, yeah. to do whatever, like build coal mines or whatever. There's a lot of it. it, it you, you kind of felt transported back to like 1935 or something yeah. in a lot of ways. Not in terms of lack of technology, in terms of the new infrastructure that's being built that's already exists in the UK or in, in America or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of that and we got there. And the difference, the stark difference between Istanbul and Durje was 
in Durje, uh, most of the women were covered. Right. I think that's now changed quite a bit in Istanbul even now anyway. Mm. But in in, uh, in Durje, a lot of the women were covered and the mosque was a, a, a focal point of the local, because it was a village, effectively. There was, so there was a lot of, there was more of the outward religiosity that was there. Yeah. But having said that, and, and and this is the thing like uh, that I've noticed more and more in the last several years is that just because there's outward religiosity, just because somebody's outwardly godly, doesn't mean that there's inward godliness as well. Yeah. You know, Sheikh Tarkawi talks about these things as well. Exactly. That the people of the modern times, the more they increase in outward religiosity, the more they, the more outwardly religious they are, yeah. the more inwardly irreligious they are, the more outwardly godly they are, the more inwardly ungodly they are. Exactly. He talks about that. Yeah. And you do see, you, do, you see a little bit of it there. So, you know, I remember being, so basically where we stayed was, it was a little hut, which was the guy's mother's house. So it was basically the kid's grandma. Yeah. And it was like a, almost like a, it wasn't a mud hut, but it was similar to a mud hut. And you had to drive up into the mountains. Just You just drive and drive and drive. You just drive like almost on a vertical, it feels like a vertical in yeah. incline. And you just go straight, 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 straight. There's no street lighting. There's no road markings, nothing. Yeah. There's just some trees that have been um, cut away. You just drive for 15 minutes straight. Wow. You just go, All the way you just keep going, and um, and then after fifteen minutes, you end up at a pylon, yeah. so an electricity pylon, and there's some there's some houses around it. There's a cow that's taking a nap next to a Land Rover, <laughs> and it is just you just literally transported back to 1924 or something, right? Wow. And we just stayed in the hut, uh, but it was very calm. Yeah. And it was very, you know, they they brought in some nuts from the farm and they got some milk from the cow and all that kind of stuff. So in that sense, it was good. But I fell ill immediately because yeah. my body cannot handle the rawness of it all. Yeah. And then a lady gave me, this is where I first learned about herbal. Like my first intro to herbs probably was at that moment because I had really intense nausea and I was just going all over the place. Wow. And uh, this lady, she couldn't speak a word of English. And I went up to her and I went, eh, yeah. eh, like this. I made all these faces at her. And she, she said something to me. It was like at one o'clock in the morning. She was like cutting all this garlic and everything. Garlic and mint and all this kind of stuff. She was sorting it all out. And she goes. There you go. Yeah, she does she gestures towards me, right? Yeah. So I put the garlic in my mouth. Absolutely disgusting. She gives me some water. And I was fine within five minutes. Wow. And I was like, what the? So that was like my really first kind of intro to that thing. Like, and she was from I guess all local produce and yeah, the garlic was local produce, yeah, yeah, and it was just phenomenal. That's incredible. So that was yeah, that was really good. But we went back in as we were driving back down in the mountains, like the you know you'd go past the house, you'd see the woman walking around. She's got hijab on, she's modestly dressed and everything. Yeah, and the guy's got a kind of Budweiser in his hand or something, and he's drinking alcohol. And I'm yeah. like, this is just so weird. Yeah, you know, and he's he's clearly her husband. And then you go in, and and then some of the experiences that I had that I wouldn't speak about, you know, publicly. But when I was there, like you meet some of the kids there, so they've got the they're doing the salah and all that kind of stuff, but they have no concept of what does it mean to be Muslim, you know, what the yeah. character and all that stuff is. It was a bit, you know, this girls are smoking, they've got a job and they're smoking away, and they're doing this and they're doing that. And it's like mm, mm. it's all a bit. It was all a bit weird. It's an interesting contrast. It was a it was a weird mix, yeah, and it, and yeah, the whole thing was really weird. Yeah. And I, it just kind of, I was like, okay, this, this is not for me. Yeah. Because I, I was look very seriously looking at that place thinking, okay, I could potentially see myself moving out here. Really? I wasn't married then, so maybe I could marry somebody there, I could get settled. I just got put off. In, I just got put off. Those kind of two or three days I was there, I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. Because a lot of it was very outward kind of. 
it's interesting you have different places that pull you in different directions and, yeah. you, and that's part of the thing about to continuously travel yeah and to keep moving so you'll eventually resonate with certain places a bit more whether you want to stay there for longer or not something tends to open up as you where, go where have you kind of felt like that's drawn you the most um well i definitely had a from my travels to cape town it's definitely a place that right. has a lot of beauty about it yeah. especially as mm. terms of the weather and the contrast yeah. when it's winter here yeah. it tends to be summer there yeah, yeah. so you get both elements of the beauty and the winter's not that harsh anyway and the winter's it? not that harsh yeah. no and it, it's got a lot of weather's important for us brits now isn't it it's it an is. actual real real kind of consideration for us well it just changes the whole your whole dynamic and your yeah. energy as well yeah. is when winters here tend to be really long especially this last winter yeah i feel it felt like a, a real stretch I mean, we had colded right up until last week of first week of june and it was still we were still wearing coats you know yeah and it's, yeah. it's just recently starting to get better now but yeah. i think that element of the weather and nature all has an impact on you yeah. and how you feel and on your on your day to day and just your own drive and energy. So if you're in a place that's warmer yeah. and if you can aim to get somewhere warmer, especially yeah. for us from being on the mm. continent, we're mm. just naturally built mm. that way anyway to mm. be in that sort of weather and environment. The cold is not really for us. We're not we're not we're not um, accustomed to it. So yeah, even being born in this country, the genes just don't settle well with it, do they? No, they don't, and I don't think they ever will. <laughs> no, it's not going to work for me. Never. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think there's, it's one of those things that you've got to eventually over time, the more you sort of move and shake and get to different places, you pick up certain things. And I think the time we live in now is not maybe necessarily about just living in one specific place. It's about having the ability to go and spend some time here. Well, what about just picking everything up, you know, your cup your cupboards and your tables and your clothes and your, it's just so, especially with a wife and kid, it's so hard. And I think, but I think it's also an element of going into that, what you fear and getting mm. out of the comfort zone. And but then how do you even survive economically in these places and all of that as well? Well, this is the thing. It's now, there's so many different ways out there in terms of how to, like, for example, your podcast is online. You yeah, know, but my podcast here is in the studio, so I can't, pick, you know, picking the studio up and taking it to another country is hard work. Yeah. There's like five grams worth of equipment. You just I just stress about putting everything into the container in the first place. But that's what th- I mean. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's not uh, some somebody other than me yeah. wouldn't wouldn't even bat an eyelid. They would just stuck everything in a container and be done with and it. Like, yeah, I moved. I would yeah, take exactly. Because it's all transportable. But yeah. I would really stress about it. Well, that, that, well, that's the thing you've got to sort of yeah you, because you don't know what's going to be next around the corner. Yeah. And we yeah. know is that wherever we go, there's always going to be things that open up for us. And you yeah. will naturally being in a different place in a new environment, you will stretch yourself yeah. to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, you zone. force yourself, yeah. Whether it's having conversations with people, whether mm. it's just learning a language, whatever it is mm. to get accustomed to, you stretch yourself. Mm. And then that ability and the energy that you get from that opens the doors for you mm. to do anything really mm. that you can or want to do. Mm. Whatever you feel, whether it's passionate about or whether it's just to make money, there's so many different ways now, especially online and people doing all sorts mm. different models of, mm. of, of ways of making money i think it, a lot of it has changed where you don't necessarily need to be in a specific mm. place for example in colombia which is quite interesting in medellin you had a lot of americans living yeah. in Medi- medellin but earning an american but wage. earning america and you go to these coffee shops and you'd see them all just on their laptops yeah. you know, remote working yeah. and on their on their conference calls and th- that was quite an interesting you see when i when i was in london if um the, the problem was um, my wife was tied down to the job. She had to be there physically. Yeah. And even now she has to go, uh, she has to go into work once a week. But if, if because we, we can only survive with two incomes. Yeah. But if there was a way that she could have got away from her job physically, yeah. then we would have never stayed because the rent in London was just extortionate. Yeah. And she loves to travel. 
we would have never stayed in the same place and we didn't have kids at that point yeah. so we would have just kept moving kept moving kept moving that would have been ideal yeah yeah uh, we just couldn't pull it off i wanted to do that we we set out with the intention to do that before we got to london that that's what we're going to try and do yeah and we just couldn't pull it off i wanted to though and then you'll see yourself so as i'm sure as you've experienced as well when you've been to turkey and all these places when you speak english yeah and you're from england even though we look like the way we look you sort of transcend a few levels maybe within yeah. society to an extent yeah. that you can engage with people who yeah more likely to be on a different i mean level. pakistan definitely used to be the case definitely i don't know yeah. if it's the case as much as it used to be but definitely used to be the case yeah yeah would you would you consider being in pakistan for a longer period of time uh so pakistan physically is uh just in terms of health it, uh, i really still suffer this this is all pakistan oh the, this was three the, weeks in pakistan <laughs> the boldness yeah this was three weeks in pakistan <laughs> show this to the camera this literally all i mean i, I used to have the th- i was telling people yesterday i used to have the thickest hair mm. ever i had very very thick hair I've, I've been to hairdressers where they've gotten angry with me like because it's struggling to cut my hair like your hair's so thick yeah in my 20s and then Three weeks in Pakistan, and my, my just I had to turn into a completely different person. Wow! So um, my health, um, I can't manage in Pakistan, or I feel like I can't manage in Pakistan. I do like Pakistan, though. Um, I do feel very calm there. I enjoyed yeah. the vibe there. How long I could stay there, permanent, like as a permanent resident, I don't know. Yeah. But I would love to be there at least several weeks a year. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's good. The, yeah. I think it's definitely been in that environment, isn't it? That wildness and... Yeah, so there's a lot, like, you know, when you talk about wildness, I remember I took my, uh, there was, uh, there was uh, the, the, the rear driver's side door on my, on my car had stopped opening. Yeah. I took it in for the MOT and it failed the MOT. They said, you have to have it redone. Right. And then I spoke to them and uh, they were like, oh, um, you're going to have to replace the door, right? And, I, and it was just a lock that wasn't being undone properly. I thought well, it was a bit extreme to replace the entire door just yeah. because the lock's not opening properly. I, I know, I understand the uh, the health and safety implications of it, but it's a bit extreme to need to replace the door. Like, why can't you just go in and try and fix it? Yeah. So they, they just weren't having any of it. So um, I um, I took it back to uh, the mechanic that we'd had for years back at where my parents live because I was I think I can't remember where I was London or somewhere at that time. So I took, uh, came back to visit my parents, took the car back to that guy. That guy wasn't there. Right. Uh, the main guy, he wasn't there. His brother was there. And his brother, he comes over from Pakistan and then goes back and then comes over and then goes back. Yeah. And this guy has this kind of wildness that you talk about. Like he's, he's a, uh, you know, even like when I went, um, I went just a month ago, mm. I had a pigeon come and land on my head. Oh, wow. Right. And he just took it off my head and he's holding it. He goes, oh, he just likes you. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's just friends with the pigeon. <laughs> that just doesn't happen here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and and so he was back, and you know, it was, and, he, and the thing is, he's a very he's very polite. Yeah, he's very uh, he's very affable, but he's not he's not a pushover. No. Do you know what I mean? He's got yeah. that, he's got a lovely balance going on. Anyway, I took the car to him. I said, "Look, they failed the MOT," uh, and he goes, uh, "No problem." And you know, we just dismantled the entire door, figured the thing, figured the latch out, spent it. He goes, I'm not giving up until I fix this. Yeah. And then he fixed the whole thing and just put it back together. Then he charged me like 10 quid or something. Mm. And I was on my way. And that would only happen with a wild man like this because yeah. it's a sense of pride exactly. for him. And it's just, there's a sense of determination there. Yeah. And he's, he's, not, he's thinking about how can I make a lifetime customer? We were already lifetime customers. He's thinking about how can I make a lifetime customer out of this person? Yeah. I don't want to let this person down. He's thinking about his honor. The other person would just be thinking, how can I, how can I make as much money from this transaction? Yes. Massive contrast. Complete different view, isn't it? Yeah, this is what, that's what I love. And I, I, he doesn't remember. I went, when I saw him a month ago, he didn't know who I was. He didn't remember me. Yeah. I still remember him. 
So I knew who he was. I said, oh, you're his brother. He goes, yeah. He goes, how do you know? He goes, we've met before. Yeah. He has no memory. But his brother, I'll tell you something really interesting about his brother. His brother, uh, when I got married, this is going back uh, about 12 years now. It was about a year into my marriage. He just got back from Pakistan. And um, he had he was showing us a video at his house of uh, his... Um, uh, so he lives... Uh, I can't remember the name of the place in Pakistan. It's not Gilgit. It might be Gilgit. It's about an it's about an hour from Islamabad Airport. Okay. Or Gwadar or Gwadar, Dina or okay. somewhere like that. Yeah. It's one of those kind of places. It's not quite mountains. Yeah. It's on the way to the mountains. Right. Okay. Right. And so that place where that that where they are, the uh, the food is still very pure, very raw, just like the Black Sea place, right? Yeah. Very pure, very raw. They're very wild in terms of living and all this kind of stuff, right? So showing us this house of his massive house, like six, seven, eight bedroom house. Yeah. That's cost him about seven thousand pounds to buy or something, wow. right? So he's got this entire house. And what he's done, he uh, took some solar panels from here. Yeah. Right. He got them shipped. I don't know. He put some. I don't know how he did it. I think he did say he put some in some suitcases. Oh, really? Wow. And then shipped some. And I don't know how he figured it all out. But he got them sent over over there. Yeah. And then he got a generator over there. And then he himself wired the entire house himself. And then with the so he put the solar panels on the roof yeah. of the house because obviously the sun is just blasting every yeah, single all the day. time. Yeah. And then he wired it into a generator Amazing. into the house. And then obviously, you know, in Pakistan, they have load shedding. Yeah. They, have, they lose power every few hours. Yeah. And he's, he's got it on film. And the power goes. The fridge is still working. The TV is still working. Amazing. The light, the low level lights are still on. Yeah. And he goes, that'll go for an hour. Amazing. And all of that is powered by the solar power. Yeah. So very resourceful there. Very resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he just he did that all all by himself. He goes, do you want to go and stay there with your wife for a couple of months? And I was like, yeah, I want to. My wife was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. You can be creative in those sort of places, yeah. can't you? You can yeah. just get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. No... You'd have to worry about regulation. Yeah. And health. I'm not saying these things aren't important, but regulation, health and safety, planning permit, blah 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 yeah. blah. But there's a thousand bits of red tape that kill. You just, yeah. You just give up immediately. Yeah. Exactly. You don't feel the the need to carry on and. Yeah, it just completely uh, uh, destroys your creativity. It does. It does. It really does. I think that's a big thing, especially speaking about tra <laughs> traveling and everything else and just the weather and, and everything else that comes with that, the energy. <coughs> I think what tends to happen is that we become almost mundane in our lives. Zombified. Zombified. There's no adventure. There's no higher yeah. aspirations. And it's almost what the traveling does. Yeah. It sort of kickstarts or reignites that energy. In is, you. That what you, is that what you're then searching for when you go traveling? I think it comes with it. It's not necessarily okay. you search for it. It just comes as part of the process. And I think, again, part of it comes down to just stretching your own self and getting out of your comfort zone. But do you feel you have to be on your own when you do that? Not or necessarily. Do, do you, I think if you, you went do, with your wife and kid, do you think it would still happen for you? I think it could be with anybody, yeah. Okay. It, it just has to be... <clears throat> the attention has to be there. Okay, and then okay. that will just open up as you as you go through. Travelling <laughs> with, with your family or travelling with your friends, I think yeah. you're what we tend to have in our lives is a lot of the stories that we get from not just from, yeah. from traveling really and from the stories that we build and you, build you know my dad when um when he was uh, when he was 21 he came home from college one day yeah or school i think but it must have been college and uh, my grandma goes to him pack your bags you're getting married oh, wow. and he was like obviously in those days it was a bit more forced right yeah and uh, they hired a ford transit and they drove from Sheffield all the way to Lahore wow. in Pakistan. And they drove through France 
and Germany and Switzerland and yeah. Yugoslavia because it was Yugoslavia then yeah and Italy and I Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan wow. and it, my, da my dad did all the driving Amazing. he drove through all of it and I still to this day I've not had a proper conversation with him about it because yeah. he'll tell other people because I've got a bit of a formal relationship with my dad yeah. he doesn't really open up yeah but he's like Yugoslavia was the most beautiful country he'd ever seen in the world because they've destroyed it wow. because he's seen the pictures and he's like it's not the same because it was beautiful because it's, it's perfect a perfect blend of climate yeah um greenery because you know in places like pakistan it's, it's not as much greenery because it gets burned with the sun it's more harsh but more brown yeah and then water and you know it's just issues yeah yeah that's amazing though and that but no people no, can no longer do that now either no you could no you could it, it's weird because this this is the thing that really gets to me it's like uh, you know if when you when you have a conversation with somebody about something yeah. and the objection's always yeah but that was an ancient way of doing it now we're more modern now we're, we have yeah. evolution and we have all these things but you know, my dad could do twenty. He could do what it was eight thousand miles to Pakistan in a Ford Transit yeah. without. But you know, that was pre sat nav, yeah. pre auto route, pre all these things. Yeah, uh, you know, pre A to Zs and everything. Yeah. My granddad basically spoke to some other guy. Yeah, the guy goes, "Oh, you have to do this, this, and this." And then my granddad just memorized it Amazing, all. Amazing. Yeah. And off they went. And then they would just they would you know the 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 van broke down in Turkey or something and then some guy just some local guy just came and helped my dad fix the engine and fix the tire and then just off they went amazing these days you would stress far more yeah because like right do i have the visa yeah, yeah. do i have uh, the jab yeah. do i have uh, this permit do i have insurance yeah. if the car breaks down they're going to get me for this and then do i have uh, rac do i have aa and a blah 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 uh, there's like there's like, i think it's actually harder to travel now than yeah. it was then i think so too yeah there's a lot more limitations isn't there a lot more i know it's easier to book a flight now yeah and it's easier to look at it on the map but actually it's a lot more expensive to get a hotel a lot more expensive to jump on the plane yeah. the planes are all tightly packed you're like tightly packed in sardines yeah and you've got to be worried you have to genuinely be worried about the reception or, you know how people are going to treat you and you know security blah 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 i think it's way harder now yeah and they got that spontaneity has almost been completely extinguished yeah but i think within that still it's Again, they say the strongest of intentions breaks the greatest of barriers. So I think yeah. you've just got to keep going with it and try and knock on the door. And I, I think the thing, the thing that worked for me was I did we I uh, when Nurburgring just started getting a little bit popular when Jeremy Clarkson showed it on top. Yeah, of it, I went a month after. Oh, amazing. So we and this is again this is pre this is pre Google Maps. Yeah. So I got the I printed the route out on a piece of paper and then I had one of those little PDA used to call the PDAs iPad things yeah. used to be called and I got TomTom Tom on there and the battery used to last 24 hours and then once the battery goes the data goes with it yeah no sorry the battery used to last a couple of hours and then once the battery goes the data goes with it you have to reinstall the entire thing all oh, over wow. again nightmare so that was a lot of stress and we used that and we drove all through Europe but it honestly at that time just going through France and Belgium it was actually quite underwhelming yeah it was just all motorways yeah there was none of the actual European life it wasn't until we got to right near to the end, we got into the mountains in Europe and that was interesting. Was and then where we stayed in uh, in Nürburgring, the area that we said, that was very kind of wild. Cockham, it was called the place. How that long, was very nice. How long were you there for? Three days. And three I, days. honestly, I was there three days. I felt like I'd been there three months. Wow. I was a completely different person when I get back. Amazing. Yeah. What did you take from it the most? So, um, what did I take from it? I don't know. What was the most interesting thing? Well, I mean, we were just driving around racing on cars. Right. Okay. And there's this, uh, that, this was literally a week after 7-7. Seven, seven. Okay, yeah. So my uncle's, uh, there was this guy who was driving around in a Porsche. He was a really, really good driver. And my uncle said to the, to the guy, he goes, oh, can my nephew get in the car with you? And uh, initially, initially, the guy goes, yeah, yeah, of course, no problem. 
I wasn't I wasn't there in front of him. I had gone to the bathroom or something. I came out, and then when he saw my face, brown face, you know, and all this, and he got a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. And then and then he goes to my uncle. He goes, well, "Is this guy all right? Are you sure he's okay?" Because this was literally a week after seven seven. Yeah. So he was a bit reticent about me. So there was a bit of that to it. And I got in the car with him, and he was an amazing driver. He did 150 miles an hour down the street. Wow. And I was genuinely very scared. There's this, there's this thing that they have there. It's called the carousel. Okay. And it and it and it basically it's like on a I think it's a thirty or a forty I think it's a thirty degree angle. So the road is cut down like on a thirty degree angle. Wow. And then the way you, what you do is it, there's a part of it that's cut down like this, and then it flattens off like this. So you either go around it really slowly, you go around it, and then you go around it like a normal road. Yeah. Or you go into the you go into the incline. Then you have to go fast because you have to dig your car into it. Right. And what a lot of people do, last minute they change their mind. Yeah. And they're going too fast for the outer bit and too slow for the for the thing bit, and then they crash. Oh. So you have to you, if once you commit, you commit. Yes. Yeah, and this was a committing guy, and he went into the straight inner Porsche, and we're at a thirty degree angle, and he went around it at like eighty miles an hour. Amazing. Right. And I was I went around it like this. <laughs> yeah. Literally, and he's like, "You're all right. You're yeah. all right." By the time we finished, it was nine minutes. I think we in those nine minutes we bonded like we'd been mates for twenty years. Yeah. And uh, after those nine minutes, um, he was like, "Are you alright? You're right." We got out, and he was he was perfectly fine with me. Yeah. But it, it was very, very rejuvenating. I yeah. felt like I'd been away. I felt like I'd been away three months. It was very relaxing, very therapeutic. But the thrill of it. It was a thrill of it. Yeah, yeah. It was just being into it. And then, you know, the day before we'd been we'd been on a train ride that went along the River Rhine. Yeah. That was just beautiful. Just it, and it, it costed like three euros, five euros. Amazing. Yeah. Just nice and slowly, just drives along the the river Rhine. Yeah. It's just lovely. It's beautiful to see. Yeah. Yeah. There's those images that you see. Yeah. And, and very relaxing. Very relaxing. Three yeah. days, you know. And I've I've done ten days in Istanbul. I just came back as as stressed as I was when I left. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was no there was no like, and I've done a day in Exmoor. One of the best holidays I've ever had was two nights in Exmoor. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we had breakfast in the morning. There was a river flowing right by the window outside. The sheep grazing. Yeah. No mobile phone signal. No street lighting. It was like Postman. I don't know if you've seen the visuals of Postman Pat. Yeah, it was yeah. just like Postman Pat. Yeah. You know, the, it's like bumpy roads and there's no road markings and there's no street lighting. There's no cell signal. Yeah. It was wonderful. It's it so relaxing. Yeah, amazing. That's that's the thing. These little thrills that keep you in nature and keep you around. Yeah, I love I I love being part of nature, but I don't want sin. You know, there's a lot of places where there's nature, but it's synthetic nature. Yeah, there's still a Starbucks. Yeah, there's still mobile phone signal. There's still buildings. There's still but there's, there's a bit of a beach. There's a bit of a woodland. There's a bit of a tree. Yeah. Then there's a motorway going right through the woodland. Yeah, that kind of nature, very kind of just kind of dot. I don't like that. But you know, in England, they have these things called areas of outstanding natural beauty. Right. So areas of outstanding natural beauty, they have certain, um, I think they have certain uh, things as part of the regulation. Yeah. So you can't have too many mobile phone masks and you can't, I don't know what the rules are, but I'm guessing. So, and you can't have franchises, you can't have a McDonald's and Starbucks and you can't have street, you know, you have to preserve that, yeah. that area the way that it was. So you go to Exmoor, you feel like you've gone back to 1950, you wow. know, you really do. And, and immediately your your energy just you just calm right down yeah. just by entering that space. You get away from the sort of concrete jungle, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So it, it can be done in the UK as well. Yeah. I had an interesting experience like that in, in Colombia. So I was in Bogota and I met this um, backpacker from Germany. Yeah. Um, we ended up going for a hike together through, there was a waterfall just on the outskirts of the city in Bogota. And we thought, okay, let's go. And Where's I, Bogota? In Colombia. Okay, okay. So as we were going, and I told him, look, I'm not really an experienced hiker as such, but... <laughs> 
it'll be a fun let's go and he said yeah same don't worry i don't think it'll take too long we ended up going <laughs> through like a four or five hour trek to get to this place no signal on the phones were you to, bricking it it was just thought oh, what's going on we need to get to this to the end now because now we've started there's no turning back okay okay I had to go through all these little patches of of woods and all sorts to get to this finally get to this uh, waterfall which was beautiful and surreal mm. Mm. Um, there's monkeys there and all sorts oh, of wow. and on the way back we thought how are we going to get back now because that was you know <laughs> we both draining we're knackered, yeah. it was raining as well <laughs> towards the end so it was completely drenched I ended up hitchhiking with uh, with some uh, travellers from uh, from um, Turkey mm-hmm. who gave us a ride back to the city and how long did that take about half an hour maybe uh, yeah, about half an hour <laughs> we kept walking on the road waiting for someone to drive by and ended up hitchhiking they got us back in and that like, perfect because now, now it's time to rest but just little things like that when yeah. you're just in the middle of nowhere yeah the spontaneity it's I know we there. so we, we when we were in Exmoor we did this trek yeah. and it was full of like rocks and it was very hard terrain so yeah. it was very hard to navigate I mean it was I, th- I think that walk I can't remember how long that walk was maybe three miles maybe six miles but that took us two and a half hours wow and by the end we were absolutely knackered yeah. absolutely knackered and the problem was you can't get a taxi into that area. Yeah, yeah. There's no mobile phone single. The taxi's not willing to come there no matter how much money you pay. Yeah. So now we were set on walking back. And so I said, okay, let's just go back along the normal road. And we were so knackered. We were dead. Yeah. And then we managed to actually hitch a ride with a guy. In a reason, he put us in the back of his Land Rover, but he was quite nervous about us. Yeah. You know, and it, but, but at least weary. we got... Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he took us like half of the way. He, he saved us a good hour probably. Wow. Yeah. But that is a lot more common in these kind of wild places that you, as you say. Yeah. Uh, it's probably just it's probably more dangerous in those places as yeah, well yeah. but this is part of the thrill isn't it it's, it's part of the thrill part of right. adventure